0: That's 800-298-9093.
1: Thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. It's another big show. When is it's not? When is it not? Live radio, obviously. Coast to coast, border to border, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Nice to have you with us, wherever you are listening in this great land of ours, this great land of Romania. Romania, Romania, you border on the Adriatic. Your main export is cotton. Neither of those things are true. 1-800-878-PLAY. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto-racing, boxing, Olympics, quidditch, ball, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket. Speaking of tennis, tennis news today. We'll get to that. Cliffhanger. We're going to start this show off, though, in um, Middle Earth. That's right. We're going down to New Zealand. I'm going to talk to a rugby guy. Yeah. Start off the show that away. We'll also have author-illustrator Ryan T. Higgins for his new book, Hey Bruce. Comedian Brad Williams will join us once again. He's at Helium Portland. He is the powerhouse, a little person with a big personality. Uh, Brad Powers will join us in the ATN segment at 1025. We're moving it around. Uh, Holly Robinson-Pete, lovely, talented she has a new book called Charlie Makes a Splash about kids dealing with autism. At 11.12, we will have Yogi Roth back on the program, the Emmy winner and uh, Pac-12 football analyst. Director Michael Doniger for the new ESPN documentary, The Fate of Sport. We'll have him and then actor-comedian Steve Renizzisi. Renesee avante, avante testeregazzo in bacille. He'll return. He's at Helium St. Louis. Tune in app. iHeartRadio app. Stitcher app. There I am on twitch.tv. So fine with my reading glasses. Whoop, whoop. Uh, CRN Digital Plus 2. The cable radio network channel two, And your cable provider. You can get us that way as well. It's a really big show. Come on back.
2: You know what a booster shot can be like? Charging a cell phone. Just like a cell phone charger helps restore your battery, a booster is given after a primary series vaccination to enhance or restore protection against COVID-19, which wanes over time. Boosters are recommended for people five years and older. Schedule a booster appointment as soon as eligible. You can even make the appointment on your phone as long as it's charged. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
1: Welcome back to Sports Byline USA, coast to coast, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We go out to New Zealand now, and we are joined by Kiwi video game guru Jeremy Bell, and he is here to talk about Blackout Rugby, which is available now on Steam and Mobile, and this is from uh, Blackout Games It is the most in-depth rugby team management sim ever. Jeremy, welcome to the program. How did this all get underway? What was the genesis behind this project?
7: Well, first of all, it's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, The genesis, well, this project actually started a very long time ago, uh, around the 2007 Rugby World Cup, and we've had a browser game running for many years now. Um, And then we were approached by an investor who wanted to take us to the next level, and um, yeah, we wanted to take the game to mobile and desktop and, and really put, put u- our users in the shoes of a, of a club manager and, and run the show and send their team out on the pitch to compete against others around the world.
1: What would be the separation from other sims? It's like, in this game, you can do this, this, and this that was not available or thought of before.
7: Yeah, so uh, one of our favorite new features is um, a card system that so typically you might see in other games, cards would represent players, and um, we just felt like that didn't give each user their own real sense of ownership over that player because everybody then ends up with the same players. Um, so our one of our exciting features is our card system, which allows people to use cards in more of a, a game mechanics way to really help them play their own unique strategy over their club so you can play cards related to training match tactics health academy contracts all that kind of thing
1: now this is an mmo uh, rugby manager as you build your your club uh what about training the team and then as i mentioned competing on the world stage
7: yeah so training what you're doing is um Training is one of our users' favourite features, right? Because you get to see, watch your players grow and level up, and all the their different skills. Um, so you can train you're training each day by setting up regimes and um, applying training sessions to different groups of players. Um, you have you have two groups of skills. You've got um, technical skills, which which effectively only go up, and then you've got physical attributes, which are more like um, speed and, and strength and things like that which are sort of revolving around an average and you have to keep them trained up or else they'll, they'll come back down um, and then you've got match training as well, so the more matches you you send your club out to play the more benefit they'll get as well there
1: Now I have to ask, is it just for the All Blacks or can you put the Haka in all these teams, the old Maori uh, performance?
7: <laughs> oh man, that would be a cool feature to add one day, Um no, we don't have the Haka in the game just yet, uh, but you can you can pick a team from... You can create a team in any country in the world and, and compete globally as well, and you can have multiple clubs, so you can have a club in your home country and a club in a different country as well. What, can
1: you properly just uh, put into words just how big rugby is in New Zealand and just how huge it is to
7: be on the All Blacks? It's... <laughs> In New Zealand, it's our, it's our lifeblood as a, as a nation. Um, if the All Blacks lose, there are headlines within, within minutes um, asking for the coach to be sacked. <laughs> so, and, and that has been happening a lot recently uh, with, with the current streak the All Blacks are on. Um, yeah, it's a big deal here. Pretty much anybody in, in New Zealand um, is very, very much into rugby.
1: Now, let's talk about the innovation of that card system that you were mentioning, you know, just from improving a youth prospect or just maybe strengthening a tactical aspect for your upcoming matches.
7: Yeah, um, so effectively what each card gives you is is some sort of buff or boost. Um, each card has a level each card has a cost so um, each day your club will provide you with what we call card energy and that allows you to play a certain number of cards Um, however one of the big issues in game design right now is is, um, microtransactions and pay to win and things like that and so part of what we want to do part of our design ethos is to not be too pay to win and not not allow um, paying users to effectively just spend a thousand dollars and go out on the field and win so card energy, for example, you can't buy more card energy. You are limited. Every user is limited by the card energy they get that day. What a paying user could do is buy more a a bigger variety of cards um, to fit the situation. The
1: infrastructure of the club, I like how you guys are all in. Your training facility, your medical facilities, uh, broadcasting studios, and how cool is it building statues of your uh, former great players, uh, what was it like to, you know, just even in beta testing to get all that stuff down and to be so ambitious? Um, what
7: was it like? It was very stressful and, and long. Anybody in game development will tell you that it's it's very, very difficult to build a game and they'll, we all wondered together how any game gets made. Um, we thought this was going to be a one-year project but it turned into five. Um, so, yeah it was it was long and stressful and it's it's a real win to to get to this point We've been soft launched for a couple of months now um, but very fun and exciting along the way to to implement all the features we wanted to build. I would also think too that as
1: involved as it is, you don't want to make it like a flight sim that you'd have to be a pilot to do. You want to make it user-friendly, but you also don't want it dumbed down. You want the people who are really into rugby to take advantage of it. So how do you walk that line between too simple and too complicated?
7: That's a great question. So for us, we've we've gone uh, for a level of depth that sits sort of in between um, football manager, which is really, really in-depth, and, and um, a game like top 11, which is a little bit, Um, on the the lighter side. Um, So what we've done is just created good depth for the hardcore players who want that depth and want that control and strategy, but we've given people options and we've made it well known that um, if you just want to pick a preset game plan, that's totally fine. We've provided um, lots of help tips throughout the game and we've got a a great video series on YouTube as well to help those people who who may not know rugby out the gate.
1: I think it's really cool too that, you know, in a lot of sims over the years, you would have all this great in-depth involvement and then you would say play and they'd say, you won, you know, these two guys scored the goals if it was soccer or whatever. But for you, you can actually watch these things play out in 3D, huh?
7: Yes, absolutely. Our match engine is something that we've been developing for uh, well over a decade now that that engine came through from, from the browser game I mentioned earlier. And, since then, has a, had a deep revamp to um, track every player on the field uh, for the full 80 minutes. We do, we do shorten the match, um, so we cut out all of the in-between play sort of things so that we cram as much rugby as we can into, into the shorter matches that we provide.
1: So I mentioned the Youth Academy. How does that system work for you, and, and how much do you fast-track guys, and how much do you have to let them sort of marinate and learn through experience?
7: So the academy is a system where you you're, you you can invest as much or as little into that part of the game as you like that could be part of your strategy to to maybe even ignore the academy and go to the transfer market instead. but the academy, if you invest in it um, what you can what you're doing is sending your scouts out they will find a a potential prospect player for you and then you can from there you can either send them back out again to get another scout so you didn't get at the position or say you're looking for a star player, you can, you can try again and again. Um, and then it takes about seven days to develop the player from there and that there's a card system involved there as well so you can effectively sculpt and shape the player before they are then promoted into your main squad. And then a transfer market as well? Kind of a, an auction? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anybody can put uh, they can train players up and list them on the market and make some money that way and then if you're on the other side as a buyer so you've just come into the game and you want you want to get rid of a few players who you don't like and bring in, bring in some fresh blood you can absolutely go to the market and um, as the game grows and, and that market begins to thrive there's there's some bargains coming up too. What about, um,
1: last question for you, the idea of a, a union or a clan like getting together, as they say, online and uh, forming up these, these uh, sort of alliances?
7: Yeah, so that's one of our most exciting features because that's a feature where people can really get involved with, the, with their community around them and, and create a cool social, social club, if you like. And as you say, yes, it, it's our version of guilds or clans that you might see in other games. Allowing members and clubs to come together, um, you can, at the moment, you can do challenges together. So you might be doing things like score a thousand tries, and as you, you know, as, as a collective of clubs. And then once you complete that, you're earning points towards leveling up your union. And what we've got coming up is our first significant union feature, which we're calling Rep Teams, and that's where everybody's nominating two or three players from their own club. Into a pool of players, and then as a union, everybody's voting to um, create your lineup, and that creates the team that's going to go out onto the field. So that's kind of like how Super Rugby teams work, for example, here in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and then we're going to use that same system down the track to create national teams as well to go out and um, and compete in World Cups and very exciting tournaments to come.
1: Blackout Rugby Manager, available on Steam, iOS, Android. Go to blackoutrugby.com for more information. We have been speaking to the founder of Blackout Sports, Jeremy Bell, live from New Zealand. Jeremy, congratulations on the game. Thanks for joining us at whatever hour you're at right now. We really appreciate
7: it. No worries, it's been a pleasure.
1: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We will take a quick break and we will come on back on Sports (laughs) Bio.
8: come on you watch the news be prepared to pay more taxes then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years get ready the irs the largest collection agency in the world will be coming after you with the power to collect taxes by any means they want to In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635.
0: That's 800-732-9635.
9: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
2: Cares about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
1: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you, nationally syndicated in San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show number one New York Times bestselling author and illustrator Ryan T. Higgins. He has a new book from Disney Hyperion called "Hey Bruce," an interactive book, and uh, this is all part of the uh, Mother Bruce series. Ryan, welcome to the show, and I think this is a pretty ingenious idea about having kids tap a character awake on the book, touching the book. Where did you get the idea for this? Because it seems so simple, but nobody ever thought of it before.
11: Well, well thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, people have, other authors and illustrators have done different types of interactive books before. Um, this one's a little different in that it doesn't play out exactly how the characters in the book want it to. So there's a few more mishaps than a traditional interactive book might be. So the idea is there's three mice, Thistle, Rupert, and Nibs, and they want to have an interactive book. They want to be in an interactive book, but they don't know how to make it happen, and they decide to enlist their friend, Bruce, to help them. But Bruce, being a grumpy old bear, doesn't want to be in the book at all. He just wants to take a nap. And so the mice lead the readers through um, doing different things to the book, like you said, tap or turn or shake or rock the book back and forth to try to get Bruce, you know, back to sleep. But it doesn't really work out that well for Bruce, and hopefully the readers get a few laughs out of it.
1: So Bruce, Rupert, Thistle, Nibs, which one of the four is you?
11: I am a little bit all of them. Um, So the the mice are different parts of my personality. I'm probably the most like Nibs. He's sort of the uh, happy-go-lucky, wants everybody to be happy sort of character, but there's a lot of me in Bruce, too, a, a you know, grumpy old black bear. Um, but I think the, my favorite interactions are usually between Bruce and Nibs the mouse, because Nibs is so small and cute, Bruce is so big and kind of grumbly and um, maybe a little bit intimidating-looking, but somehow Nibs and his mouse friends are able to take over Bruce's life, and to me that's funny to write about.
1: So if I had to label you author or illustrator, which one kind of are you more proud of, or is it a tie?
11: Well, I, I think of myself not as an author or an illustrator. I think of myself as a cartoonist. So because the words and pictures are so heavily tied together, and, um, and I create them out of what's only in my head, um, I, think that, I think of myself more as a cartoonist than an author or an illustrator.
1: So, when you think about uh, the stuff that makes you laugh, I, I kind of yeah. find myself and as more of an immature, childish sense of humor. I would probably say that you're in the same boat.
11: Exactly. Yeah, stuff that makes me laugh is usually pretty in line with, with kids' humor. I mean, um, jokes don't have to be adult-oriented to be funny to adults. A funny kid joke is still a funny joke for adults. And I, I find... Some of the best, you know, kids' TV shows or kids' books usually strike a chord with with my sense of humor. um, The best, I would say. Usually when I go into a bookstore, it's straight to the kids' section or the comic section. um, Or if I'm watching TV, I usually usually go to cartoons.
1: You know, it's interesting because when I was growing up in the 70s and, uh, you know, comic books were so huge and I couldn't wait for the Sunday San Francisco Chronicle because they had the huge uh, comic or the funny section Do you find kids these days are exposed to that type of thing? What what is their uh, sort of intro into uh, printed comics and uh, peanuts and things like that?
4: Yeah,
11: uh, I mean newspapers don't circulate as heavily as they did when we were kids. I grew up in the eighties, and newspapers were still you know a big deal. Calvin and Hobbes was one of the biggest influences on me creatively, so I'd run to the mail well the, the newspaper box every day to get local newspaper to read the funny section like, like you were saying. Um, I think kids these days, I think the closest thing to that would be graphic novels. Graphic novels weren't big when, when I was a kid, but they're pretty big now. I think that that's sort of today's take on um, on visual storytelling through comics. I know my son, he's big into graphic novels, and um, I I personally, as a parent, it doesn't matter to me what they're reading as long as they're reading. So, you know, cartoons or or graphic novels, or or what, or you know, or novels, what have you? It's, it's anything that gets them
1: excited. Yeah, unless unless he's reading like Ted Kaczynski's manifesto, you are like, yeah, not not that. <laughs>
11: well, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should I should preface it. Anything appropriate,
1: <laughs> right? No, I am just teasing you. Um, the other thing is um, when you uh, are a success, as I mentioned, a best best selling author. Now you've raised the bar. Now you have a fan base. Now people are going to expect nothing but the best, and you can't fail. So is that kind of a double-edged sword because it's like, wow, they really expect a lot, but I can't let them down?
11: Sure, there is definitely that aspect of, of the job. And I do have this part of me that always thinks that if my newest book doesn't sell as well as the last book, then that means I'm on the downward trajectory of my career. Um, there is a part of me that, 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 that runs that, um, that psychological scenario. Um, but I find that I'm at my best when I'm not really thinking about that stuff. And when I'm in the studio, it's just about me having fun in my studio. And it's not, it's not really trying to think about the success of the book or how it's going to be received. Um, as long as I'm having fun and I'm getting to do this really cool job as my full-time job, then I'm, I'm pretty darn lucky. And as long as I keep that in my mind, I, I tend to stay out of that, that sort of doom and gloom mindset.
1: You know, uh, we always say, don't judge a book by its cover, but how many times do you think a parent went into a bookstore, saw Be Quiet, and they're like, yeah, I'm buying that one?
11: <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's funny because you do like to say, don't buy a book by its cover, but being someone whose job is making covers, um, as part of their job, like, it is pretty important to make a good cover. Uh, so, I usually try to draw, you know, I try to make my covers so that when you look at it, you know what the book's about and that it draws them, draws somebody in. So graphically, it should be easy to read, but also be compelling at the same time. Um, so hopefully when people do see books like Be Quiet or, um, or We Don't Need Our Classmates, it's another book by me,
4: mm-hmm.
11: um, that they want to pick it up and see what it's about.
1: <laughs> and um, we have less than a minute um, already working on the next one.
11: Yeah, I, uh, right now I'm working on two books because I'm usually behind on my deadline. So um, I've got two books now. Both of them are new Bruce books. I'm very excited about both of them. One's a Halloween book, and it's a take on The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's called The Legend of Soggy Hollow. And instead of a headless horseman, there's a horseless horseman who asks people for their horses. Um, and that one's pretty exciting for me to be working on.
1: That's pretty good. I thought you were going to say it would be Ichabod Bruce. But, uh... <laughs>
11: well, I was, I was thinking about calling him Ica Bruce. But oh. Nico Bruce is hard to spell. It would yeah. be hard for kids to read it out loud. So we just call him the school teacher.
1: <laughs> Not too bad. The book yeah. right now, though, an interactive book, Hey Bruce, is available from Disney Hyperion Publishing. And we've been speaking to the best-selling author and illustrator of it, Ryan T. Higgins. Ryan, good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on.
11: Thanks so much for having me.
1: All right. And uh, this book is pretty funny because these mice are like looking at this big bear and they're like, wake him up, tap it. And then the book says, tap harder, tap harder. <laughs> then you see the bear fall off the log. That's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? All right. When we come back, we will have the great open segment. Oh, well, how about that? Let's talk some sports. I'm surprised.
10: <laughs>
4: blood, the knives, the gun, I, I like...
13: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Great wine under a
4: toilet. Stands blue, stands cold. Fish caught upon the face. That was so great on his clothes He calls me brother sport But he loves to kill his fun. And the power that he feels when he puts a trigger on me.
2: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
1: All right, your boy caught by surprise. That I have an open segment this show, so if you're hankering to talk football, basketball, blah 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 blah, you know the rest. Call me up one eight hundred eight seven eight P L A Y. You ain't got no well about it. you, ugly girl, you ugly. Roger Federer has officially retired. <clears throat> And he ends his career with 20 Grand Slam titles. 41 years old. Just saying he's too banged up. He will play one more tournament. But this is just, of course, days after Serena played her last match. But then again, she threw out, "Eh, it might be Tom Brady. Bjorn Borg retired at 26, which is mind-blowing now. When I was a kid, I remember thinking, oh, that's pretty young. But now I realize that's ridiculously too young. And tennis players come back and come back. The two biggest you've got to be kidding me's that I've ever seen in sports about a guy who retired and came back. Number two is Sugar Ray Leonard, who I've met here, took a picture with him a little guy, but his fist was the size of my face. I remember we took a picture. We were both had our fists out. And even though it was a little guy, his (laughs) mitts were huge. But he was told when he got the detached retina, you might remember that if he ever got hit in the face again, it would detach and there was nothing they could do about it at the time. They go, you will be blind in that eye. So he said, well, now I'm really retired. then he's like, screw it. But number one for me, and you don't know him, if you know him, I'll give you big love, girl, right, is Dion Dublin. Dion Dublin was a striker for Aston Villa and also um, England, <clears throat> and he broke his neck playing soccer. Luckily, he was not paralyzed. Luckily, they were able to fuse his neck back together, but they said, first of all, let's just see if you can walk. And he decided, no, I'm going to keep playing soccer as a striker and head balls into the net. And then maybe third is Christian Eriksen, who had to be reanimated, basically, during the European Championships in Denmark. Um, And it was a case of, you know, just pounding on his chest and resuscitating him. He died on the field. He literally, legally, totally died on the field. Totally. Totally. And I can joke about it because now he plays for Manchester United. His, It would be lucky for him to live. And then he came back with Brentford because <clears throat> they are a team that um, is owned by a Danish guy. A Danish guy who has been on my show twice, by the way. And uh, because I'm so cool. And then they figured out, well... You know, he's still pretty good and Brentford did pretty well for a stadium that seats seventeen thousand. That's all they can fit. And Brentford is a London suburb, by the way. But that was another shocking one. But back to Federer. Uh greatest Swiss athlete of all time. Any other takers? Dominic, greatest Swiss athlete? Timo Meyer. <laughs> Um, but he's one of the greatest of all time. Top five without a conversation. Nadal has 22 Grand Slams. Djokovic has 21. They're both still active, and Djokovic probably would have 23 right now if he played in Australia and the U.S., especially that young kid who won it all. Um, But in his statement on a Twitter account, Federer said that he will play in the Laver Cup, named after Rod Laver the Aussie in London <clears throat> and that's coming up the 23rd and 25th here and he said that'll be it he wrote as many of you know the past 3 years have presented me with challenges in the form of injuries and surgeries i've worked hard to return to full competitive form but i also know my body's capability my body's capacities and limits and its message to me lately has been clear. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt. And now I must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. <clears throat> at 41, he. this was a video message, by the way, sitting at a desk and reading um, a long note in front of him. And it's funny because when uh, Djokovic... One at Wimbledon and they gave him the mic. I was watching it and he said, I'll never forget when I was a little kid, I watched Pete Sampras win Wimbledon and I told my dad, buy me a tennis racket. I'm like, Pete Sampras is a kid to me. That was his childhood (laughs) idol. I'm old, I know. But Federer added that while the Laver Cup will be his final event on the APT tour, he said he will play more tennis in the future, just not Grand Slams and not any on this tour. So Federer was ranked number one in the world for 310 weeks. I was only 17 weeks. Uh, And that includes, uh, I'm kidding. Do I have to say that? That includes one point he went consecutively 237 weeks. He won Wimbledon his first Grand Slam when he was 21 years old, and then he won it seven more times. Eight Wimbledons. And, I mean, the greatest grass player of all time. Nobody else has eight. You can't argue that Federer is not the greatest grass player of all time when you win Wimbledon eight times. Eight times, including five in a row. 2003, 4, five, six, seven. But he won the U.S. Open five times in a row on the artificial service. 04 surface O four five six seven eight six six Australians now maybe he wasn't that good on clay but he still got one French Open at Roland Garros sliding around on the clay which is how you grow up in Europe you play on that clay and your socks get really dirty and you slide it looks really weird but it's really fun to play on and it's sort of like when you look at the I'll be the only one to make this comparison, but I will. The John Sherholtz Braves, that whether they win 14 NL East in a row, one World Series title, at least they got that one. <laughs> They're not the Bills. Uh, but yeah, so eight Wimbledons, five, seven in a row, five U.S. Opens in a row, six Aussies, one French. And he concluded, quote, this is a bittersweet decision because I will miss everything the tour has given me. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis, and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. There's one thing you can say about Roger Federer, is he is a classy athlete. I can't remember a tantrum out of Roger Federer. I remember a couple of times he was irked and why wouldn't he be? You're out there and you might get, might not get the call your way, but yeah. Now getting back to Serena for a second, because it is difficult to close a chapter on greatness, but sometimes when you say goodbye, it's see you later. See you later is not fare thee well. It is, I'll see you later, right? Well, Tom Brady's retirement, how long did it last? 40 days. He went to Old Trafford. He saw Man U beat uh, Tottenham. He saw that Nuno got fired. Conti get hired. Well, no, he didn't hang around for that, but he's like, why aren't I playing? So Serena Williams has just teased yesterday that she might come back. She said, I mean, you never know. I've just been saying that Tom Brady started a really cool trend. This was on Good Morning America. So in uh, last month, when she said she's ready to step away from tennis, she did it in an essay in Vogue, by the way. To concentrate on other areas of her life, she never used the word retirement. She said, I am evolving now, we know that she was in the U.S. Open. There were a lot of tears. There was a last interview, losing in the third round. She said she wanted to be involved in tennis. Being involved can mean a lot of different things. But when she was on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, she brought up the same idea of pulling a Tom Brady. And um, this was her quote, Tom Brady started an amazing trend. That's what I wanted to say. And then she said, maybe pickleball. Now, Brady might have been the most mainstream athlete to do the trend, but this has been done. I mean, I mentioned a couple already, but what about Michael Jordan? He retired three times, and one time he played baseball. But as shown by her performance at Arthur Ashe Stadium, Williams still has a little bit left to give if she wants to come back, and um, she said never say never So, I mean, this is like Gronk's retirement. Did anybody believe Gronk retired the first time? What else did that guy have? Um, Wet t-shirt contest judge. Okay. Uh, Ref at a combat sport. Okay, what else? Game show? Me and uh, and my brothers? No, that's the Watts. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I guess I'll play gronk is just as an aside gronk is a pretty interesting case because he's kind of a lovable guy because he's just such a goof um he's the epitome of a dumb jock but he's also statistically the greatest tight end in the history of football and then you think how dumb is he really is he really that dumb and now he plays up it's not like um you know, he's in a commercial now for Subway or whatever, and it's like, huh, what are we talking about? And then Tony Romo's like, thanks for contributing, nothing. You know, he's, he's, he's making fun of himself, just like Terry Bradshaw did. Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. And when I was growing up, people was like, he's the best quarterback in football. And I'm like, no, he's not, Ken Stabler is, blah, blah, blah. And it killed me in Jack Tatum's book, They Call Me Assassin, where he said, yeah, I think I'd have to go with Bradshaw. I'm like, oh, Jack, you're killing me. But what has Terry Bradshaw been since he's retired? I'm from Louisiana. I'm doing some hillbilly hand fishing. I'll get a little wiggler. There's a catfish down there. You sure got a pretty mouth. That's all he does. He's not that stupid, but he's (laughs) he's playing it up for sure. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Let's take a quick break and come on back on Sports Byline.
5: how do you do it? And my answer is shut up. Uh, I ask the questions around here. I'm Tiger Woods.
2: Kittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
1: I think a lot of dumb stuff. There's no doubt. Let me go down the line. 1-800-878-PLAY. Well, tonight, Amazon is going to be having Thursday Night Football. Only Amazon Prime. $13 billion deal. How many people are going to go to their sets and go, okay, which channels Amazon prime? No, no, you can't wa- what do you mean? You have to watch it on your computer. What? Well, can you screen mirror? What do you have internet access on your TV? I, uh, I don't know. Is it the right browser? What? Well now you have to sign in on your TV. What do you mean? It's $15 a month. Now here's the thing. You get a 30 day free trial. You can watch all the way up until, I think it's Washington at Chicago, which is going to be a barn burner. Um, But this is what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do these in, I mean, there's some people who live at like Buffalo Wild Wings. Every Monday night, every Thursday night, every Sunday night, Bethany, get off my ass. You know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be with the fellas. We're going to be at Buffalo Wild Wings watching the game. But you don't care about the Lions and the Falcons. What did I just say? Every Thursday night. So what's going to happen with those meatheads? <laughs> no offense if that it's a free country if you are a meathead, but Rick, you're superior, not really. Just a little bit. But I just think what if how are you going to watch this? How? Your laptop? Your phone? I'm used to watching things on my phone, I get, but this is the big experiment. The NFL got 13 billion This is the big experiment, and we'll see what happens, because I think there's going to be rioting in the streets, to tell you the truth. (laughs) I'm Rick Tittle. we got another two hours. Come on back on Byline. (laughs)
4: LSA
12: Radio
14: News with Lance Pride. A party at the White House Tuesday was celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act. President Biden.
8: The chairs who worked for almost two years to make this law real, and all the House and Senate Democrats who stood together and never, ever, ever gave up. This couldn't have happened without every single one of you, and that's in the literal sense of the Senate. Every single one
14: was
5: required.
14: Tuesday's Consumer Price Index report that inflation is at 8.3% year-to-year. That resulted in more than $1.5 trillion being lost from the Standard & Poor's 500 on Tuesday, nearly erasing a four-day rally. Concerns now turn to the Federal Reserve and the need to push interest rates much higher to combat inflation and government overspending. Senate Democrats are hoping to persuade their GOP colleagues to approve new funding to fight monkeypox tossing around numbers between $1 and $4 billion. Senior health officials, including Anthony Fauci and CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, are set to testify about monkeypox today before the Senate Health Committee. Former President Trump press staffer 25-year-old Carolyn Levitt has won the Republican primary in New Hampshire's 1st Congressional District.
15: Well, look, the voters of the 1st District made their choice clear. We won By a pretty big margin tonight, voters made their choice. They wanted a homegrown America First conservative going up against Chris Pappas this fall. And I expect all Republicans across this state, across this country, to join behind the people of New Hampshire's First District and help them get rid of our far-left Democrat opponent, Chris Pappas.
14: Thursday Night Football tomorrow night is the Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs on Prime Video. USA Radio News.
10: This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to
16: stay on top of my health.
10: Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk.
16: Coligard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer.
10: Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Coligard is right for you. Or visit coligard.com.
16: I'm in.
14: Six years after the total solar eclipse best witnessed in Oregon, Viewers may get another chance at witnessing this unique event again, this time with an annular eclipse in 2023. According to NASA, an annular eclipse happens when the moon passes between the sun and the earth while the moon is at its furthest point from earth. That eclipse will pass from Oregon to Texas on Saturday, October 14, 2023. My Pillow Founder had his cell phone taken away by the Federal Bureau of Investigations.
16: Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow and an ally of former President Donald Trump, said Tuesday that his cell phone had been seized by the FBI. Lindell said the seizure took place at a Hardee's drive-thru while driving back to his home in Minnesota. The Washington Times reports the seizure of Lindell's cell phone comes while the agency has targeted numerous Trump allies as the midterm elections loom. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis.
14: Ferrari unveiled its long-awaited $390,000 Piero Sangue, saying it will put the race car maker into a new era of broader appeal. With four doors, four seats, and a V12 engine, it will hit showrooms next year. Ferrari is asking people, please do not call it an SUV. Piero Sangue means thoroughbred in Italian. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
0: That's 800 760 1845.
11: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine.
7: Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it.
4: Ricky
15: T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
1: All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. I saw this funny article. I just say funny because it's week one in the NFL, and they go, which NFL coaches are trending up? Is one week a trend? All right, well, Josh McDaniels is trending down. Here are the top three trending up. Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota. Second Second youngest coach. Freed Kirk Cousins from the conservative old school approach. Only Sean McVeigh is younger. What a family atmosphere he's created up there. Less Stackle with two asses. Brian Dable trending up, even though risky. And then it's hilarious. Pete Carroll trending up. He's 71 years old. He's not trending up or down, but this is the most hilarious part. I mean, obviously, Nathaniel Hackett's going to trend down when you do something a high school coach wouldn't even do. And I know that because I am, or I was, a high school coach. Arthur Smith trending down. Okay, but this is the one that's going to make you laugh. Trending down, Bill Belichick. (laughs) It says, and I'm not kidding, on CBS Sports, it's time we really start reckoning with the fact that the NFL may be passing Belichick by. It said it's been three years since the hoodie won a playoff game. And he's doubled down on defense first. And Mac Jones is battered and confused. Yeah, Bill Belichick is definitely trending down. That guy, in one word, sucks, right? Too funny. Trending. Can we get a month of football? Can we get four games before we look at trends? And the answer is no. All 800 1-800-878-PLAY coming up this hour. Brad Williams on the other side. High Larius or low Larius if you want. He'd laugh at that. Uh, I'll ask him about that. Brad Powers will join us at 1025. I don't know what he's talking about. Probably football, right? I would think so. Holly Robinson-Pete.
5: If you have a small business, Staples has your sign. Banners for my bakery? Staples has
3: your sign.
9: Oh, posters for my new pet store.
3: Floor decals for pharmacy. Every day,
11: Staples Associates help every kind of small business create bold signs to make big impressions. And now get $10 off custom signs, banners, and posters when you spend $50 or more. This is your sign. So print it big at Staples
16: ends ten one. one Visit staplesconnect.com slash this is your sign for details.
6: Hour 2 of Titillating Sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour 2 of Titillating Sports. Hey! Hey! Check out Channel 9. Check out Rick
1: Tittle. All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We love the Helium Clubs. We love the Helium Comedians, and we love our next guest, Brad Williams, who was in studio with me here a few years ago. He has two shows up there in the Rose City on Friday. He has two shows on Saturday. He even has a Sunday night show at 7 up there, Uh, so no excuse not to see him. Brad, welcome to the show. I, I didn't, uh, I haven't spoken with you since the, the pandemic, so when that was getting around, were you doing outdoor shows? Were you doing Zoom? Did you learn Romanian or the accordion? What did you get up to?
17: Well, first of all, hi, Rick. Thank you so much for having me back, and uh, good to talk to you. Yes, I am at Portland this weekend, but I, I know you're nationally syndicated. And if you're like, well, I'm not in Portland. That's totally fine. Go to bradwilliamscomedy.com. I tour all over this great land of ours, and I'll probably be coming to a city near you soon. All right, that's out of the way. Let's hang out. Let's let, let's talk. Yes. Uh, when the pandemic happened, uh, I, I, I was I was a whore for comedy shows. Uh, did some Zoom comedy shows, which, which was a lot of fun. When you're doing a joke about a certain sex position, and you see someone's five-year-old wander onto the zoom camera that was good so uh if, if you see me on dateline nbc that's the reason uh did those shows uh did did, did drive-in shows where i would get heckled by car horns because um, nothing better than live entertainment uh alcohol and they have access to a car horn uh that that went well so need, needless to say i'm very thankful to, to be back on tour thankful to be back doing live shows in comedy clubs with the people this weekend in Portland, but uh, all the rest of the year, all over all over the country.
1: Yes. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sell you tickets somewhere here, but what about uh, Rip City Voodoo Donuts?
17: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm doing some stuff with Twitter right now. Uh, I, I love going to Voodoo Donut whenever I'm in Portland, and I tweeted them, and that's the... Benefit of having a blue check mark like I do, uh, they they responded. So I'm going to get a boatload of donuts when I'm over there in Portland. Um, all I need now is a, is a craft cocktail and maybe some opiates, and I think I'm going to have the full Portland, Oregon experience.
1: <laughs> I remember Ian Carmel told me because he's from Portland. He said we wake up and we ride our bikes to our jobs, which is to build sustainable wind chimes.
4: <laughs>
17: yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. It, 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 it's one of those cities where as soon as you get off the plane in Portland, you immediately know you are in Portland. You will see someone uh, with some flannel, a curly mustache, and a monocle for some weird reason. And, it, it, you know, some guy wearing a steampunk hat. It's great. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I love going to different cities. I love experiencing the culture of different cities. I'm not annoyed by it. I, I think it all needs to exist. We all need like I like, I'm from Orange County, California. God knows we have some stereotypes. Look up what's been going on in Huntington Beach. We're not that great of a people. So we all we we all have we we all have our access to grind. Uh, but I like going around the country and I I like experiencing all this stuff. So and I'm I'm imagining I'll get a craft beer somewhere in Portland, Oregon.
1: <laughs> I just love the fact that what was it like when you hear Hey, you're getting a Netflix." special and you're like awesome like yeah we're grouping you with the degenerates
17: (laughs) it's funny because uh i don't really look at my comedy as you know filthy or lewd or crude but so then when they say we're grouping you with the degenerates i'm like okay i'm gonna have to dirty it up a little bit and i'm gonna have to kind of make it a little or maybe they just think because I have dwarfism, that's what makes me a degenerate. It's like <laughs> I could be a clean-cut guy that, uh, that has a 401K and belongs to a country club uh, and has committed blue-collar crime. Uh, sorry, white-collar crime. I should get the collars correct. Yeah, that, that, that way the joke would work. Uh, but, yeah, I, I kind of dirty it up. But then I found out that I really liked it. So not that my comedy, I think, is overall filthy. Hell, I'm a dad now and I talk mostly about that. But uh, when when you come see my live shows, there there will be a little something for everybody, for sure.
1: Yeah, and you say that uh, little people in this country are doing the wrong jobs that <laughs> you should be given to cancer patients.
17: Yeah, what what what? What's the controversy in that? I'm sorry, you were diagnosed with cancer. Darn it! Here's your dwarf. <laughs> well, okay, Sil- silver lining. I think that be I think that'd be a great thing. All I know is that when. When, see, you can do mundane activities, all right, and no one thinks anything of it. If I do mundane activities, I make someone's day. Like, if I'm, you know, like, if, 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 if you ride around on one of those uh, lime scooters or bird scooters, that's no big deal. That's just an annoying tall guy trying to get to work and who's taking up too much area on the sidewalk. If someone sees a dwarf on a scooter going by makes their day. They probably go buy a lottery ticket and because they, they think they automatically get three wishes. So that's what I have to offer uh, uh, the, 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 the world, really, is that I can do simple activities and they're just made that much better. Ha- have you ever gotten a standing ovation for putting your bag up in the overhead storage bin?
1: <laughs> no.
17: I have. I've done it. I, I do it. I tur- I turn around, the, the plane's clapping, and they're saying things like, no, that's really hard for him. That's like American Ninja Warrior.
1: But so, didn't didn't yeah. you, you tell me you got to get a running start to jump on the can, right?
17: Yeah, i got to get a running start. <laughs> I mean, now, uh, 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 now uh, with the two-year-old that we have, uh, it, it's great because now uh, there's all these little stools and booster seats all over my house that my wife finally got because we have a child. Not... We we she never got them because uh, before when it was just needed for me, but now we need we, we we need it for the child. So oh yeah, we got that. We got the stairs that you put next to the bed, so that so your little dog can run up and get on the bed. I've got that now. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, I'm I'm not saying I'm live I'm living the high life, but I got a bidet. Oh, that it's the best. It's the absolute best. I don't know. Uh, hashtag team wash down there. I don't know if I can say uh, <laughs> some words, but yeah, it, get get a bidet, everybody. It, it, you're you're welcome.
1: And uh, finally, uh, the the Browns bringing back the little brownie, and uh, you think he should be called Brad Williams, huh?
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. So
17: I I love that in this uber PC time that that that, that we're living in, we're Everyone's worried about getting canceled. Everyone's worried what pronouns they should be saying. The Browns are just leaning into it. They are just like, you know what? F that. Our quarterback commits sexual assault, allegedly. Uh, We got that guy. And then, oh, yeah, we have an elf at at midfield. Good luck trying to get that taken out, little people. Uh, But, yeah, we have an elf at midfield. We we, we 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 have a guy who enjoys happy endings only if they're happy for him. Uh, play, playing for us, yeah. So the Browns are just leaning in. I, I I'm I'm surprised they don't just like. I'm surprised they haven't replaced their helmet with a red MAGA hat. I'm sure that's coming. You know, uh, I'm 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 sure they're just gonna do that. Uh, they're gonna put a large Q on the side of, on the side of the jersey. <laughs> they're just they're just leading in. And you know what? Good on them. Yin and yang. All right. Like like we got the Uber PC people mm-hmm. and, and and then and then, we have the peop- and then we have the people that are just steering into the turn. And that's fine by me. Go right ahead.
1: Yeah. The Cleveland QAnons. All right. Well <laughs> Friday, two shows. Where we
17: go one, we go all. Not to the end zone. We're still the Browns. Okay. <laughs>
1: no, well done. We uh, have two shows with Brad at uh, Rip City there, heliumcomedy.com. Get your tickets, two on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. Brad, you always crack me up, man, and next time you're at Cobbs or the Punchline, come on by the studio.
17: Sounds great. I would love to do it, and uh, it, it would be great to see you again, my friend.
1: All right, buddy, take care. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byline.
4: Love. Now because you wear all those
8: fancy clothes do Come on, you watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes. Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you.
5: Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
0: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. That's 800-709-4409.
9: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
5: Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
2: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
1: Uh, it hurts my feelings. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network. Normally, we do it at 11.12. Today, we're going to do it at 10.26. And that is check in with one of our friends over at againstthenumber.com. And we're quite happy now to bring in... Brad Powers, but I want to remind everyone that AgainstNumber.com is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable. Their tracking and distribution process is simple. And their results are Real. Brad, great to have you back on the show tonight. Uh, Chargers at Chiefs. Two questions: Is this going to be a wild shootout? And number two, will you be able to find the game on Amazon?
13: <laughs> good, good question. I mean, the total says it's going to be you know relatively high scoring. You got a total of fifty four, one of the highest totals on the board as far as the NFL this week. Um, I seem to think that way. I mean, obviously, got two great young quarterbacks. We saw a shootout in Kansas City's first. week game against Arizona Uh, I'd lean more towards the KC side in this matchup it's always tough traveling on a short week uh, even though and the Chargers got to feel good that they already have one division win already in their back pocket so lean on the Chiefs for me in tonight's game I will be tough getting it I, I do not have an Amazon Amazon Prime membership yet yeah
1: well you get the free you get them free for a month So mid-October, you might have to fork out the 1499. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, Vegas, the Raiders off to a disappointing start. Uh, Josh McDaniel's offensive revolution not taking out just yet, although Devontae Adams was certainly involved. And you have the Cardinals coming to town, also disappointing. Two 0-1 teams. Uh, Do you see the Raiders bouncing back, or do you see Kyler Murray getting back on his horse?
13: Uh, I see the Raiders bouncing back I mean obviously the offensive lines a question mark but we knew that coming in so I don't know if that's a a quick fix for them I mean that's mainly due to the prior regime doing a horrible job not only in pre-agency but also via the draft so they couldn't protect Derek Carr last week but I I trust Derek Carr to, to rebound a little bit more than the Cardinals at this point just because I mean, the Cardinals are still banged up. They, they, we saw a market really big-time move uh, against the Cardinals last week in the Chiefs game. All that money proved to be correct. And I'm going to lean with the Raiders uh, this weekend to get a bounce-back win.
1: The 49ers are at home against the Seahawks. A lot of people thought that the Seahawks wouldn't really go with Geno Smith, would they? And they did, and with a very curious coaching decision by Paul Hackett's son, they are 1-0. and <laughs> But the Niners playing in a swimming pool in Chicago – Uh, Lance did not look great. Uh, They gave up three picks to free first-round picks to get him. They have a Super Bowl quarterback on the bench, which they desperately do not want to use. So how do you see Pete Carroll coming back to the Bay?
13: I think the spot says the 49ers here. I mean... Seattle's already on a short week, a game that they, you know, probably shouldn't have won if you look at the box score. Uh, I mean, they got out gained by by 170 yards and were minus 1.6 yards per play. It usually says, Bing. "now," it doesn't say win, it says blowout loss, so I think there's value there. And look, the 49ers go to the box score again, dominated the the Bears. So, I know what the final said, but I think obviously the playing conditions favored the underdog in that one. Add it all up and I'm not a big guy on laying points, but I'll tell you this, the NFL has kind of changed for a long time. You know, pros said, ah, you can't lay doubles in the NFL. Well, I'm here to tell you, the last six years, you blindly bet on every 10-point or more favorite in the NFL, uh, even in this line's 9, 9.5. I mean, you're hitting 60% against the spread. That's not too shabby.
1: The Another team, uh, by the way, we're speaking with Brad Powers from AgainstNumber.com, another team where we thought, well, they're not going to go with their quarterback that they had. They'll draft somebody or trade or bring in a free agent was Houston, uh, but they liked Davis Mills, and Davis Mills didn't look half bad in their tie. And meanwhile, we have the Broncos taking the ball out of the hands of a $245 million quarterback to try a the second-longest field goal in NFL history. But the Broncos are at home. I would imagine you like Denver in this one.
13: I do. Another very similar handicap to San Francisco. Houston, you know, fortunate. Although, I mean, kudos. They were out big to the, the Colts, but statistically... We're fortunate for a tie. Denver should have had the win in Seattle. Uh, Denver traditionally first couple weeks of the season super strong. Whenever they're at home against the spread, just because of that altitude edge, and you know players aren't in uh, you know the midseason form when it comes to playing shape. So Denver, for me, laying the big number.
1: The Cowboys are at home against the Bengals. Both teams 0 and 1. We know Dak is out. He's not on the IR, so I guess he could come back in a month. We'll find out about that. But uh, Joe Burrow. Not a great game last week. A bunch of picks. Uh, an interesting game, and I guess it's Cooper Rush under center for Dallas. What do you think?
13: Yeah, I mean, we've seen an eight point line move. So the, the look ahead line on this one last week, because you can always bet the the next week's games a week ahead of time, as far as the NFL goes, it was Dallas minus one. So I'm not sure if Dak's worth eight points, a, a point spread, but my preference in this one, I'm going to tease Cincinnati down. A six point are down from seven and a half one-and-a-half, tie that in with the Saints, tease them up eight-and-a-half. It's one of my favorite teaser plays of the week.
1: Buffalo is at home to the Titans. The Titans a very disappointing uh, showing against uh, the New York football giants. Uh, back in the state of New York, upstate, I would imagine the Bills as one of the absolute favorites will have their way. They are favored by ten.
13: Yeah, it's a little steep. Although I'll say in Buffalo's behalf, there's no team in the NFL I'd rather lay points with, uh, with Buffalo. Their last 14 wins have all come by 12 points or more. So when they can play bully ball, they, they certainly can get margin. With that being said, Tennessee beat Buffalo last year. Tennessee also had a horrific opener last year. They get blown out at home by the Cardinals. What do they do? They win their eight of their next nine games. So I'm actually going to trust Bravel to get the guys fired up. They're not going to win, but I'll take the 10.
1: The Eagles are hosting the Vikings. Both teams 1-0. The Eagles uh, had the fear of the Lord put in them in Ford Field. The Vikings looked very sharp under their new head coach. Well, what do you think in Philly?
13: Going to lean Minnesota, but it's a really good game get a good matchup there between uh two teams that look like playoff caliber teams last week i know it's only one week uh lean minnesota but again another good teaser option minnesota tease them up through three and seven you can tie them in with another home uh yeah home underdog in pittsburgh like plus eight so i think it's a good teaser play
1: the saints are at home against the bucks and uh tom brady saying that you know he's feeling it a little more than he used to but uh, both teams uh undefeated after a week how do you like things in the crescent city
13: yeah, I mean, the Saints have owned Tom Brady even since he came to Tampa. They won four of the five, and keep in mind the the new head coach has been there. He was a defensive coordinator that really limited and got after Brady. I mean, his five uh, appearances against the Saints. I mean, Brady uh, in the Tampa Bay uniform has an eight-touchdown-to-eight-interception ratio, so they have him figured out. They're the, the only team that's really figured out Brady since he's gone to Tampa, so I'm going to take the Saints out right here.
1: The Steelers hosting the Patriots at Acresure Stadium. I think it's called something like that. Uh, I still call it Heinz. <laughs> but the Steelers 1 0 with Trubisky and the uh, Patriots. Uh, not an impressive display week one, and uh, I don't expect it to get too much easier. Although Pittsburgh is only favored by a couple points here. What do you think?
13: Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh extremely fortunate to win last week. Even though I bet them, I mean, I almost felt guilty you know, cashing that ticket, I mean, they're plus five in turnovers, so that's usually not going to happen this week. Now, typically they're really good in the home underdog role, but I just think New England and 0-1-1 needs us a little bit more than the Steelers at this point, so lean New England. But, with that being said, Pittsburgh, very enticing, uh, you know, the teaser option if you want to tease them up.
1: Have you ever really felt guilty about cashing a ticket, to be honest?
13: No, not really. <laughs> I mean, they don't feel guilty when they take my money. <laughs> No,
1: they don't. One more game. Let's talk about it at SoFi. The champs against the Rams, uh, both 0-1, and the Bettors really like L.A. to bounce back. Double-digit uh, spread. Your thoughts?
13: Yeah, this is one where I'm not really willing to lay it because, I mean, I saw so many concerning things from the Rams. I mean, I mean they gave up seven sacks against Buffalo. That's the most in six years under Sean McVay. And I just, I'm not there yet to to say that they're going to easily cover this. Atlanta actually impressed me. I mean, they could, I mean, breaking news, Atlanta blew another big lead, but I mean, that they still impressed me even in a loss against the Saints.
1: All right. There he is. Brad powers against the number.com. Make sure to check him out and all his friends and all the sports, Brad, good stuff. Thanks for dropping by.
13: Hey, thanks for having me. Take care.
1: No doubt about it. And, uh, I just love that, the trend. But, yeah, he's not going to feel bad. They don't feel bad taking your money, do they? There's this, you know, in the, in the history of political ads, the one that makes me laugh the most, and they show it during football games, is proposition whatever it is, 26, 27, blah, 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 blah. Proposition 26, 27. Uh, I am, uh, <clears throat> if you vote for this, then you'll finally be able to bet. It'll be legal. It's like, no, you finally can open your wallet and you can give it to them. That's what it is. All right, Holly Robinson, Pete on the other side. Come on back.
0: That was smooth, wasn't
12: it? That's how you're going to feel when you get that biggie bag at Wendy's. U.S. price participation may vary.
8: Includes
5: four-piece nuggets, small soft drink, and small fry. Prices may be
8: higher in Alaska and Hawaii. I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm
5: really worried about him.
2: His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever.
8: Hey, look, I, I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I just want to tell them it's not your
2: fault. There are people out there who can help. People who have felt your pain. They know what you're going through.
8: This has to stop. I'm losing everything. Everyone.
2: You've been strong your whole life. You can do this, but you have to reach out for help.
8: It's time. I can do this.
2: Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment.
8: Call Quit
0: Drugs 321 now at 800-378-3508 800-378-3508 that's 800-378-3508 paid for by the detox and treatment helpline
14: i am
18: a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged if you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008 pay close attention to this message
0: that's 800-817-2968.
12: Guys, are you getting up multiple times a night to use the bathroom? As we get older, so do our prostates, and that can mean urinary problems that affect our sleep and quality of life. Life is better outside the bathroom real health's prostate complete can help you relieve those annoying and painful prostate symptoms available at walmart or visit realhealth.com for more information and to order yours today try it risk-free with our 120-day money-back guarantee these statements have not been evaluated by the fda this product is not intended to diagnose treat or cure any disease
8: i'm
11: not insightful enough to be a movie critic maybe i could be a food critic these muffins taste bad or an art critic that painting is bad
2: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
1: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is our pleasure to welcome to the show the highly talented entertainer, Holly Robinson-Pete. And she's here to talk about her new book, which she did with her son, R.J. Pete, called Charlie Makes a Splash. Holly, welcome to the show. I know you have been such an advocate for autism for so many years, and uh, this book is pretty fantastic because it talks about how kids on the spectrum find solace and empowerment in water. Uh, Tell us a little bit more, please. Well,
19: well, thank you for having me, Rick, and yes, water is something that uh, um, makes a lot of children on the spectrum, Not, not all, but most, I think in my experience. R.J., my son, who was diagnosed at three years old, he loves the water makes him feel, whether he's in it, around it, um, on it, whatever it is. And so we wanted to write this book and and really talk about R.J. and his... Charlie, who is basically um, a version of R.J., and talk about his love of water, and also use this opportunity to talk about the dangers of water for some children with autism uh, on the spectrum. It's important that they get swimming lessons as well. They gravitate towards water often, times, and that can end bad. So um, this was just an opportunity to hear from RJ. We wrote a book with twin sister, Ryan, and 12 years ago called My Brother Charlie, and Charlie Makes a Splash, Out now is the companion title uh, with my brother Charlie. And then my brother Charlie, which did well and won a lot of awards and was a really great book, it was really more about from a sibling's point of view and spreading autism awareness. But Charlie makes a really more about autism acceptance. And RJ, being really cool, we were told there were a lot of things that he would never do. And so this was. It was just a very, very cool thing to have him uh, give us his voice for this book.
1: Um, I know um, families that have been affected by this in all the different ways, because the spectrum is so varied, as you know, and whether it's ABA, functional medicine, what were some of the things that, that, that helped you with RJ through the years getting to him where he is today?
4: Well,
19: we had a kitchen sink mentality. Remember, this was back in 2000. We didn't know a whole, whole lot. It was just we knew about ABA. We knew about something called floor time at then. But, you know, we're still trying to figure out different things. We did music therapy. We did hyperbaric oxygen therapy. We did. I mean, I feel like we, we just did everything. Um, and one, the one time where he was always feeling His best in making eye contact was when he was in the pool or when he was swimming in the ocean. Um, And so that was one of the reasons why, or when he was at the aquarium, for instance, that used to make him feel sensorially just protected and safe. And so um, we tried everything. I mean, we tried everything. And one of the reasons why we advocate and have uh, a nonprofit is because a lot of families can't afford to try everything. So we like to try uh, to help families and provide them compassionate care as they navigate their awesome journey
1: i know that uh, the uh, national TACA uh, uh, autism conference is coming up next month in uh, costa mesa once again and you've been very much an advocate for TACA over the years a lot of people have really looked up to you and your leadership there what what have you learned as you have gone through the years how that has
19: changed well, first of all, shout out to TACA because they are our sister organization. I absolutely love doing doing projects and partnering with them because they just such a fierce group of women and men who are just uh, just lead the way, and I just love them. Um, you know, we our goal is to try to spread and sort of normalize diversity and really embrace. Um, families impacted by autism and empower them because you know when we were just getting the diagnosis we were just told all the things that rj could never be and one of the things that they said he wouldn't do was have meaningful employment and he does he's now one of the club attendants for the clubhouse attendants for the dodgers and it is as meaningful as it gets so he's so excited to have this job for seven years well, and that has given him purpose and a paycheck and made him had friends and given him friends.
1: You know, that's an amazing to be a clubby because uh, just from my time in uh, clubhouses, he could write a book and all the stuff that he's seen as a clubby, right?
19: Oh, my goodness. And, you know, he has that brain, Rick. You know, so he has this, this that could memorize everything, and he, he's like a sponge. So, you know, he hangs out a lot in the, you know, with the manager Dave Roberts, and he listens to him, and he like, he's like a sponge around him. <laughs> he comes home, and, you know, the boy just knows everything about the inner workings of this organization. But the cool thing is that they hired inclusively, right? They have hired a young man who will probably be a Dodger his whole life, and, and it gave him purpose. And that's one thing that we try to do at Hollyrod Foundation is really support and have job fairs and get kids ready for the opportunity of employment. A
1: couple more questions for Holly Robinson-Pete, co-author, along with her son, R.J. Pete, of the new book, Charlie Makes a Splash. What does your character, Charlie, want everybody to know about him, how he sees the world, and how he lives with autism?
19: Charlie wants everyone to know that he may is that's something that's a part of him, but it's not all of who he is. And it's it's about understanding and preparing the world for for Charlie. And I say that about RJ all the time. You know, I wouldn't change him for the world. I mean, he's the most amazing kid. He's going to be 25, but, you know, always a kid to me. Um, And just uh, I wouldn't do anything to change him, but I would try to change the world for him to try to provide a space in the world where people will allow him to be different and to navigate the world differently and process life differently. And that's just the, the most important takeaway, I think, from Charlie Makes the Flesh. And also, you know, with a book for four- and five- and six-year-olds, you're teaching them compassion. You're teaching them the power of inclusivity and diversity. And it's very, very important to have um, that conversation early on. That's how this not start up. And in the back of Charlie Makes a Splash, I'm really excited about this because there's a great um, guide, resource guide, tools, conversations for families who are just getting the diagnosis. It's not only is it a sweet reference book, but also uh, something I did not have access to uh, as far as uh, getting that diagnosis.
1: You're, you're also a shining example of coming through the trenches. A lot of people don't know the, the hard stats about families with autism, that the divorce rate is skyrocketing, skyrocketingly high, if that's a word, and, and kids are told you'll never have a job, yeah. and, and they're shunned at school. And uh, so for you, to keep the family intact, the marriage intact, and to, to come through, uh, how hard was that journey when you were told when, you, when, when he was three years old that uh, he was never going to do anything?
19: Well, it wasn't easy. A couple times I almost uh, benched that quarterback, if
4: you know
19: what I mean. I <laughs> almost, almost, almost sat my man down because, I mean, he couldn't process it like I could in different pages, and it's hard. I mean, it's not just all – it's not the dads, but a lot of dads, a lot of parents, you just have a hard time processing it. You blame each other. You don't know what you don't know, and it can be hard. Marriage is already kind of tough anyway sometimes, so – um, but fortunately, Rodney really just put the work in to figure out and try to understand what autism was. And uh, thank God, I'm glad, because I really wouldn't have wanted to go on this journey without him. But it was, it was tough. <laughs> there was some moments where I was like, okay, you know what? I can do this all by myself. Um, I remember sending him some books up to, he was playing for the, for the Raiders when they opened. I remember sending him some books, trying to turnkey it for him. And I went up to visit him. And the books, that like the nothing was open. Never mm. looked at it. And I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here. So the good news is, like I said, he came around, and we, you know, we really put together a good team for RJ. But it is difficult, and um, you know, I have a lot of compassion for families that are navigating the journey.
1: Just as a side, anyone over the years, and uh, I used to be part of the Oakland Raiders uh, broadcast crew. Do you have an Al Davis story that you can share with us?
19: Uh, I don't personally have Al Davis swords, but if Rodney was here, he has a slew of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he did, <laughs> but he did see. Because not only did Rodney play for the Raiders for a year, but Al was a, a huge USC fan. So mm-hmm. they, when Rodney was playing at SC, they, you know, they definitely bonded then. And also, my brother was playing the Raiders for many years, so we have a, a lot of connections still to the Raiders. Um, still, have a lot of organization. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, Rocky just Davis the other day, and at the game, so a lot of times still. I'll have to get back to you on one of uh, uh
4: Al Davis stories.
19: Right?
1: <laughs> All right, um, and you mentioned Holly Rod Foundation. How do people find out about it? Get involved? Help out?
19: Yeah. So Holly Rod Foundation supports families impacted by Parkinson's and autism. My dad and my dad, late father, and my brother now has Parkinson's disease. And uh, of course, RJ with autism. So these are two things that impacted us. We wanted to help other families. You can find out more information at hollyrod.org, like hollyandrodney.org. And Um, But I always say this, Rick, even if you can't write a check or make a donation
11: or, or
19: do an endowment or anything like that, I mean, those are great things, but I just encourage people to just stay compassionate. You said you know some families impacted by autism. Just stay compassionate and be part of the community of someone who's dealing with this because they
4: do need you.
1: The book is called Charlie Makes a Splash, written by our guest Holly Robinson-Pete with her son R.J. Pete. Holly, I can just tell you from seeing these families and seeing especially the moms and how you are sometimes all on your own and you get no help, you get no sleep, I admire the heck out of you, I really do. Well,
15: thank
19: you, Rick. I'm just honored to be able to advocate for... Moms and parents and 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 kids, especially like RJ. And then I'm just so proud RJ is advocating for himself with this book. That's really key.
1: Great stuff. Charlie makes a splash. Everybody, pick it up. Holly, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on the project.
19: My pleasure. Hope to speak to you soon.
1: All right, me too. Good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and we'll come on back on Sports Byline.
2: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
1: All right. um, In her New York... By the way, Rick Tittle with you. Hour two of three. Wrapping it up. Coming back, hour three. Yogi Roth, Michael Doniger, and Steve Ranazzisi. Back to what I was talking about. In her New York Times bestselling cookbook, Carly Bodrug founder of the wildly popular social media platform PlantU provides readers with an easy to follow infographic guide for making plant-based meal planning grocery shopping and cooking a breeze this ridiculously easy plant-based oil free cookbook has over 140 plus healthy vegan recipes for breakfast lunch dinner with cheese sauces salad dressings dessert and more Get ready for mouth-watering dishes like chocolate chip, banana bread, breakfast cookies, best ever collie wings, and the big boss burrito that you simply won't believe are made from plants. We here at Sports Byline have a chance for you to win the book. 25 winners will receive a copy of Plant U, plus one lucky winner will receive a bullet Pro 900, the compact and optimized 900 watt personal blender where you decide what goes in to get the most out of every ingredient every day. To learn more, visit Nutrabullet.com. And uh, once again, you can pick up your copy of Plant You today, available wherever books are sold from Go Hatchet Publishing. All right. We got that for a read? I think we got that for a read. I did see one time when um, I was in a grocery store, they had something called a plant-based roast, and it was a big blob that was pink. And I'm like, I don't, is that chickpeas? Is that hummus? Is it hummus? Is it moominchance? And so then I thought, why don't I start a company making meat-based plants? If I made meat-based plants, that would help the keto people, right? Because aren't they all into eating raw fat, like Twinkies, whipped beef fat? Stick to sports, Tittle. All right, I will. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. we got another hour here on Byline.
4: LSA
12: Radio
14: News with Lance Pride. A party at the White House Tuesday was celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act. President Biden.
8: The chairs who worked for almost two years to make this law real, and all the House and Senate Democrats who stood together and never, ever, ever gave up. This couldn't have happened without every single one of you, and that's in the literal sense in the Senate. Every single one
14: was
5: required.
14: Tuesday's Consumer Price Index report that inflation is at 8.3% year-to-year. That resulted in more than $1.5 trillion being lost from the Standard & Poor's 500 on Tuesday, nearly erasing a four-day rally. Concerns now turn to the Federal Reserve and the need to push interest rates much higher to combat inflation and government overspending. Senate Democrats are hoping to persuade their GOP colleagues to approve new funding to fight monkeypox tossing around numbers between $1 and $4 billion. Senior health officials, including Anthony Fauci and CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, are set to testify about monkeypox today before the Senate Health Committee. Former President Trump press staffer 25-year-old Carolyn Levitt has won the Republican primary in New Hampshire's 1st Congressional District.
15: Well, look, the voters of the 1st District made their choice clear. We won By a pretty big margin tonight, voters made their choice. They wanted a homegrown America First conservative going up against Chris Pappas this fall. And I expect all Republicans across this state, across this country, to join behind the people of New Hampshire's First District and help them get rid of our far-left Democrat opponent, Chris Pappas.
14: Thursday Night Football tomorrow night is the Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs on Prime Video. USA Radio News.
10: This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to
16: stay on top of my health.
10: Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk.
16: Coligard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer.
10: Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Coligard is right for you. Or visit coligard.com.
16: I'm in.
14: Six years after the total solar eclipse best witnessed in Oregon, Viewers may get another chance at witnessing this unique event again, this time with an annular eclipse in 2023. According to NASA, an annular eclipse happens when the moon passes between the sun and the earth while the moon is at its furthest point from earth. That eclipse will pass from Oregon to Texas on Saturday, October 14, 2023. My Pillow Founder had his cell phone taken away by the Federal Bureau of Investigations.
16: Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow and an ally of former President Donald Trump, said Tuesday that his cell phone had been seized by the FBI. Lindell said the seizure took place at a Hardee's drive-thru while driving back to his home in Minnesota. The Washington Times reports the seizure of Lindell's cell phone comes while the agency has targeted numerous Trump allies as the midterm elections loom. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis.
14: Ferrari unveiled its long-awaited $390,000 Piero Sangue, saying it will put the race car maker into a new era of broader appeal. With four doors, four seats, and a V12 engine, it will hit showrooms next year. Ferrari is asking people, please do not call it an SUV. Piero Sangue means thoroughbred in Italian. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
1: All right, Rick Tittle back with you. And um, just a little more audio there. Just a teeny-weeny bit. Thank you. Yeah, if you're watching Twitch, you're done watching Twitch because it stopped because I'm in the back studio with Dominic Jimenez. Hour three, though, still going strong. What do you care? Because we have Yogi Roth coming up on the other side. We also have director Michael Doniger. Doniger. We'll find out one way or the other. The new ESPN documentary about lacrosse, The Fate of a Sport. And then Steve Orenazizi, uh, Helium St. Louis, Fantanja McGorno, and the Van Vanculo. Do you know what you just said, Rick? I know. Does the FCC? Dominic asked me yesterday who's the most famous guy in my contacts. And um, for his, it's TJ Miller, who I have as well. But I, I think it's Vita Blue. And I also have Matt Mellon. But I think it's Vita Blue because Vita is a guy that I could text and he'd be like, oh, hey, Rick, if I texted Matt Millen, he's like, who are you again? Oh, I interviewed you a couple years ago, like three times during the Jerry Sandusky stuff, and then I also called you when Al Davis died. Oh, yeah. But um, now, musically, Will Durst years ago gave me Jello Biafra's number, and I'm too scared to call him because one time when... (laughs) This was about, I don't know, 12 years ago. A guy here told me, Hey, I've got um, Robert Wool's number. I go, Oh, Arliss, New Bomb Turk, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had him very recently, but he goes, Yeah, call him. He said he'd be on the show. I call him and I said, Hello, Robert. And he goes, Who is this? I go, uh-huh. I've given your number, but you want to be on the show? He's like, Ugh, all right. And he was, that day, a horrible guest. Hey, how about Arliss? He's like, yep. Like, how about Hollywood Nights? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, see ya. <laughs> I think that was basically the uh, the gist of it. All right, we have another hour together. Uh, I have guests, but um, if they don't show up, you can call me. 1-800-878-PLAY. Uh, tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, No Twitch, third hour. Big shout out, troops listening home and abroad on AFN. I am Rick Tittle. Come on back.
0: That's 800 871 9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
6: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful, genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is so handsome. He's a genius.
1: Thank you for that and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome back to the show Yogi Roth. He's here to talk about fixing us which is going to be on uh, NBC. We'll get to that in a second. But, Yogi, last time you were here, you were talking about your book, Five Star QB. That's a bestseller. You won an Emmy as a filmmaker. Uh, are you gonna? Now you're doing this. Are you going to start working on the virus with Dr. Fauci?
18: <laughs>
1: no,
20: I'm definitely not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to hopefully <laughs> keep telling stories. Um, I'll leave the, the real stuff, the real world-changing stuff to people that have gone to school for far longer than I have and have much more insight. But I'm having a good time, man. Thank, Thanks for bringing me on again, and, and I'm looking forward to
1: talking to you. Well, yes, on October 2nd, this is when uh, Fixing Us will be airing uh, weekly across NBC-owned stations, Cozy TV, LX News, and some others as well. Tell us uh, all about what Fixing Us is, Yogi.
20: Yeah, thanks for asking. It, it was really cool. It just kind of came out of nowhere to be honest for me um fixing us is a doc series that as you referenced is four episodes in season one but it's based on a film called fixing dad that absolutely blew up over in in the uk uh, a couple years ago and it was based on a a father who uh was diagnosed type 2 diabetic and didn't have a healthy lifestyle and was told to take all these pills and do all these things that medical professional told him to do, and his son said, you know what, uh, we need to put our lives on hold. We had two sons, and they stopped their jobs, they stopped their lives, so we're going to go fix you, and we're going to get you moving again, and we're going to get you eating healthy, we're going to change your habits, and all of a sudden, as over the course of the documentary, their dad goes from you know being out of shape, type 2 diabetic, and there's a lot of dangerous things that can happen health-wise from that, and flipped it completely in about a calendar year. Well, that spurred this series that I'm hosting now on NBC which is fundamentally extremely similar where we have four characters who have either heart disease, hypertension, type two, diabe- diabetic uh, diagnosis, and are told to take 20, 25 pills. Um, and they don't want to do it. They, they want to change their lifestyle. So they all make a really cool individual choice and say, you know what? I'm going to start moving again. I'm going to get myself out of my bed. I'm going to take myself as we saw in our first episode, our, uh, the lead character Shantae, she, couldn't walk up or down steps. And at the end of the episode, she hiked the Rocky stairs in Philadelphia and being there day one. And then being there on the final day of filming um, brings me chills right now. Uh, As the host of that show. And I'm kind of just an encourager along the way. They're all doing the real work. It was amazing. And our next three episodes have that as well. And I'm just proud to do it. You know, like I've always loved positivity. I've always lived a healthy, healthy lifestyle or at least competed to do so. And to watch people that, you know, or you know, obese, um, or are told that like, hey, if you keep this up, you might lose a foot. Like if you keep this up, you know, your lifespan is dramatically shorter. And they meet that, and they meet that moment, and and change their lives as well as the lives of of the people that love them. So it was a really cool piece for me. Um, I've never really done network television in that regard, and uh, I've had a blast doing it, and I love how it's been received.
1: You know, you talked about. Having an active and healthy lifestyle that you always had. When I was playing college football in the '80s, there was one guy who would always just eat cantaloupe and bananas and orange juice. Uh, When you were at Pitt, were you that guy?
20: (laughs) I grew up a vegetarian, you know, and it wasn't um, you know wasn't my choice. It's just what our house was. So I grew up, I think, with a lot of good habits around health and wellness. Uh, you know, my name's Yogi for crying out loud. Like I didn't have a choice. I was doing yoga. I understood meditation and visualization just based on how I was raised in my house, which I now as a parent too, I see what a gift that was just to have that modeled for me. Uh, So I I never had to, you know, cut back on binging a bag of chips. Like I've I've never been interested in doing that. Uh, So yeah, when I was in college and even now I did an event last night in LA around the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl and the national title game at SoFi. And everybody was kind of making fun of me as we walked into the, you know, the dinner appetizer thing afterwards. And there was all, there was a whole table of vegetables and hummus and they're like, Yogi, they did it for you, man. That's what you requested. huh? So I think that's always just been me. Um, and I see how important it is, you know, with kids and how easy it is as a parent to give your kids, Hey, yeah, Hey, have a bag of chips or Hey, have this. And it takes a little extra effort to slice up an apple. Uh, But watching these individuals has been really fun in the editing process, showing our seven-year-old son the transformations of all these people. And I hope those things sink in. You know, nobody's perfect. You know, I'm not afraid to have a pint of ice cream by myself on a Saturday night after calling a game. Uh, But I do think habits are a critical part of of living a healthy lifestyle.
1: Now, uh, I know you're the guy at the Pac-12 Network, and I grew up five minutes from – Strawberry Canyon and Cal. I have a family connection at ASU. I I love the Golden Bears and the Sun Devils, but I mean, the Pac-12 right now, uh, I'm just wondering what's going to happen. I mean, I remember when Larry Scott went out to get Texas and Oklahoma, he came back with Utah and Colorado, and and now they're taken off from the Big 12. Uh, Is the Pac-12 going to add Fresno State, UNLV, San Diego State? How much do you blame Larry Scott? I mean, where are we right now?
20: I think we're going to emerge. You know, I've, I've been on the tour here really since July, whether it was training camp or, you know, calling games now. I was just in Eugene over the weekend. Um, and I'm going to continue going to a different campus every Saturday in college football. And, you know, the overwhelming thought from every AD and head coach and anyone in the athletic departments is that we're in really good hands with George Klyopkoff leading the next phase and iteration of our league. We're going to emerge. And we're really attractive. You know, whether it's the media rights and the footprints that we presumably own, right? When you look at USC and UCLA leaving, yes, that hurts us, but not as much as OU and Texas hurt the Big 12, even when you add in the markets that they're adding to that. So I think, you know, we're pretty healthy in that regard of like Seattle, the Bay Area, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Denver. Like it's not like our schools are in the middle of nowhere. So I, I think we're in a, a good spot. I feel really confident. And our commissioner, I'll say that. Um, I love learning from him, following his lead on all things Pac-12 athletics, and, and of course for me spe- specifically, Pac-12 football. And I think our teams are impressive. Like it, it was a great wake-up call, I think, around the country, probably over the weekend to watch Washington State do what they did on the road against Wisconsin, shutting them out. Like, who thought that would have happened? Another opportunity this weekend with Cal going to Notre Dame, as you know very well, and Washington hosting Michigan State, and a bunch of other games. So I think the narrative in college football swings all the time based on Saturdays. Um, for the Pac-12, unfortunately, we've had some challenging Saturdays over the last couple of years, specifically in non-conference play. But we're still sending a bunch of guys in the NFL. We're always third behind the SEC and Big Ten, who so we'll have two more teams than us. Right. So if we put it into perspective, I think the conference, while it was a shock to everybody that we lost the schools in L.A., Uh, I think we're sitting in a solid position, Um, and then when you look at the product on the field, yes, SC is rolling, and I'm a big fan of Chip Kelly, but they've only won one Pac-12 title combined, and you look at those two teams in the history of the Pac-12, when it expanded, so it's not like we don't have teams that can play and compete on the big stage, so you know, we'll be fine. Um, I'm really excited for the teams that remain, and I'm really happy for USC and UCLA. If that's what they wanted to go do, I wish them Nothing but the best. I'm calling UCLA this weekend. I got FC next week. So we're going to continue to kill it and love up the players and coaches and teams until we don't call the games anymore.
1: If Cal wins at South Bend, that Touchdown Jesus building is going to fall like the Tower of Babel. I'm just (laughs) telling you right now. All right, it's Yogi Roth, everybody. You can see him everywhere, but check him out. FixingUs.com, YogiRoth.com. Fixing Us Uh, is going to start Saturdays, October 2nd, NBC-owned stations. Yogi, good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Looking forward to have you on again too. Talk some ball. You got it, brother. Later. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We will come on back with filmmaker Michael Doniger.
8: if you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635.
0: 732 9635
5: That's 800-732-9635. Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Call Pharmacy Shop 24-7 to get generic versions of Viagra or Cialis for as little as $2 a pill, plus free discreet shipping.
0: 800-709-4409. 800-709-4409. 709 4409 That's 800-709-4409.
9: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
0: I
13: I don't like my job and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
2: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
1: All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. There's a really cool new uh, documentary. You can see it tonight on uh, ESPN and on ABC on the uh, 18th. It's already on ESPN Plus, and it's called Fate of a Sport and this has to do with professional lacrosse and the director michael doniger joins us right now michael welcome to the show this is uh, something that's uh, uh close to you because the main protagonist paul rabble is someone that you know right
21: yeah well first of all thanks for having me yes uh, so paul paul and i go way back uh we uh we played lacrosse together at johns hopkins uh so I graduated in uh, in 08 and then uh And then paul continued on being the best lacrosse player in the world and um and uh, dominating the the professional landscape and i moved to los angeles to to become a filmmaker and uh you know our, our paths uh merged back in 2018 2019 when they announced uh the pll the premier lacrosse league and they moved their operations out to la and and we were like hey let's uh let's find a collaboration here. And, and I pitched them on this idea of, uh, of just doing a behind-the-scenes documentary look at, at this build that they were doing, which um, was uh, they, were, they were giving the players a voice, which is uh, a narrative in professional sports that you don't typically see. And, and um, yeah, everything that Paul and Mike were, were trying to build was to service the players and, and, and um, make a better environment to, to grow the game and, and, and grow the professional league itself.
1: You know, I played college lacrosse in the 80s, and even then, Johns Hopkins was the standard, basically, the Notre Dame of uh, lacrosse. I mean, medical school and lacrosse, that's what I think of with Johns Hopkins. Why Why is it that that school, <laughs> yeah. that school is just so good at that sport?
21: Um, well, I'm so glad you didn't ask me why it is that, that school is so good at, at, um, at producing doctors, because I don't know the answer to that one. <laughs> but uh, um, Although, I'll, I'll take the affiliation. Um you know lacrosse has always just been um a a priority at john hopkins and um it's uh i think they've been playing for over 125 years now maybe even longer um and uh it's you know it, it's something that the university takes a lot of pride in and um and I was lucky to play on two national championship-winning teams, and uh, and uh, it was it was it was an exciting time. And unfortunately, the program is going through uh, um, a, a bit of uh, some growing pains right now. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, it will get back uh, to championship quality soon.
1: Now, as with anything, it, any form of entertainment or broadcasting, it needs to be compelling. What is the compelling component? Or at least the main one of this film.
21: Yeah. So um, we've already established that lacrosse is an uh, influential uh, part of my life, but um, I didn't approach Paul uh, about this story because because of lacrosse. Uh, to be honest, I, I approached him because because he is a very uh, interesting and intriguing uh, character. Uh, I find him to. I mean, everyone finds him to be. Uh, multifaceted and, and uh, he's got a lot of interests and, and whatever he puts his mind to, he happens to find success and um, that to me was, was you know, the reason to even you know, be interested in something like this and then of course, when Paul started this league, he was also still one of the, you know, the, the face of the professional game as a player, and he's also running and operating this league with his brother Mike Rabel. And so the duality of that—how he was going to balance being a player and a teammate in the locker room, while also having to sign these guys' checks—that to me was really uh, the way into it, and and how we were going to sort of like uh, tell this story and and the point of view we were gonna we, we were gonna come from. Um, and so to me, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that in professional sports. So. Uh, that, that was really it. It didn't, you know, if, if Paul and Mike had decided to, uh, you know, start uh, a restaurant or, um, start a, a bowling alley, I, I think this documentary would be, uh, plenty, plenty interesting because just the way that they handle themselves and they manage and, and how they, um, you know, all the sacrifice that, that, that they put into everything. I mean, that's, it's really about these two guys and, and, um, and the change that they're trying to make the sport is kind of secondary so i understand lacrosse is not uh the most popular sport and and that's part of um why they're creating this league is to grow the awareness of it and and, and these players feel like um the old league had failed them and uh they were just kind of content and and that's why Paul is trying to break through that feeling and and um put lacrosse on a on on a bigger scale
1: that's the thing I was going to ask too. Is that we've had forays into professional or semi-professional lacrosse leagues uh, over the years, and none of them have been huge hits. Uh, obviously, so was it the the conditions? Because I heard that they were kind of pee poor conditions for these athletes, and so for the gumption of them just to say, "These two brothers, let's just let's just start our league," and as you know, it's a it's a good idea, but raising capital and then maybe even faced with lawsuits too.
21: Yeah, yeah. So, so originally, um, Paul and Mike went to the, uh, the pre-existing league, Major League Lacrosse, um, which had been in existence since the year 2000. Um, and which, by the way, was, was a, a new and, um, exciting league when it first started and, and it gave all of these guys their shot. And, and really the PLL was built on, on their backs. Uh, but the problem was it's an MLL um, they just didn't have the vision to evolve and, and really service these players and, and, and the fans, to be honest. And so that's where Paul really wanted to take it from there. And so he and Mike pitched the MLL in, in working together. And, um, they did not, uh, uh want to do that. They viewed Paul as a, just as a player and just a player. And, uh, so Paul kind of took that and was like, okay, I'm going to go raise uh, a lot of money. And, um, And we're going to start this thing ourselves. And so two years after that, they absorbed the MLL because the MLL just couldn't uh, compete after they took 140 of of their players uh, into the PLL. And, um, but to, to, to answer your question, just in terms of, you know, some of those conditions. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, guys were, guys had to, you know, find their own way to games you know it's not it, it, it just wasn't like a team atmosphere it was pizza and beer after games to 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 serve the players and after they've you know exhausted themselves for hours and and um you know whereas the PLL now it's way more um buttoned up and it's more uniform and And, uh, you know, the, the, the league, uh, sets these guys up for success by, you know, making them feel like professionals and, you know, having them all always travel together to games in buses. And I mean, that seems like a small thing, but it's a big thing when you're one of these athletes, you want to, you know, you're going to perform at your best if you feel at your best and, and, and you can't really feel good if your employer isn't really respecting you. And, and, um, And so that's, that's really what the PLL uh, has offered their players.
1: I know you're in addition,
21: in addition to, to uh, quadrupling their, their salaries as well.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's definitely worth mentioning
21: and, 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 and giving them health, health benefits.
1: Wow. So, yeah, that is huge. Um, I know you're a bit of an actor yourself. Do you insert yourself into this film?
21: No, no, I don't. So (laughs) I used to act, uh, but, uh, I've, I've, Decided that I have way more to offer behind the behind the scenes. So uh, no, I actually this is the, my first film actually that I've I have not appeared on camera for. And you know what? I like it that way.
1: Last question for you: What's it like when you start a project like this, and then you might think, "Oh my gosh, these are my friends, and this sport isn't that big. Maybe I'm maybe this isn't going to be a hit." And then it's on ESPN, ESPN Plus, Tribeca. How rewarding is that? It,
21: it it really has been one of the most rewarding. Um, uh, moments of my career, projects of my career, for sure. Um, you know, we started this thing as as a, kind of like a small indie film, and and uh, then all of a sudden we had we had a cut after our. Fr- I mean, we filmed this thing for three plus years, four years, and so after that first year, we had a cut and we showed it to some people, and that's when we attracted LeBron James's company, Uninterrupted, and then got a great producer, Matt Tolmach, who's a big Hollywood producer, and and then all of a sudden we were like we were armed with these. Uh, um, you know these 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 champions of ours, and you know, uh, providing resources, and and it just kind of gave us the confidence that hey, maybe there there really is a story here that people are going to resonate, uh, uh, are, are going to respond to, and um, you know, and then getting it to Tribeca, and then ESPN buying it. It's 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 been it's been surreal considering how small of a project this started as, and uh, you know, hopefully hopefully it's just the beginning.
1: Fate of a Sport, the new ESPN documentary. It's already on ESPN+. Plus. You'll see it tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, on ABC on September 18th, 1 p.m. Eastern. And we've been speaking with the director, Michael Doniger. Congratulations on the film, and uh, thanks for stopping by.
21: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: No doubt. Yeah, I was thinking about when I played lacrosse in the 80s, you know, these places like North Carolina and Duke and Johns Hopkins had these huge programs. We had to buy all of our stuff out of a bus. A guy would drive by with his big van. What do you want? This is all I got. They were not in sporting goods stores in the mid 80s. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back with Steve Ranazizi.
0: That's 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
19: Oh, I would love that. And then maybe afterwards we can go field herping.
11: That's when you go out and you look (laughs) for reptiles.
2: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
1: I feel bad about that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Great to have comedian Steve Ranazzisi back with us. And uh, he's going to be in St. Louis Helium Comedy Club. In fact, he's there right now. And he will have two shows tomorrow and he'll have two shows Saturday as well. Steve, welcome back to the uh, show. And it's interesting, and in the little blurb for you says you're half stoner half family man does that offend you? family man
18: No, not at all. I mean I got a family uh, and uh, you know I, and I like to be around them, but I do enjoy my breaks, my mental breaks, whether they come via you know uh, smoking weed or you know or you know having a drink that's it has to happen for me at least you know. I'm not saying everyone's built the same way, but that, yeah, it's an accurate description. I don't, I don't shy
1: away from that. My uh, older brother was a big stoner, and I'm, I'm older than you. So in the '70s, it was basically sense of me, uh, you know, sense bud with the red hairs, skunk. Now you go to a dispensary, and depending on your mood, they have like twelve varietals. Is that a good? Yeah. Is that a good thing for you, or do you think it's uh, overblown and the hipsters have ruined it?
18: No, I mean, look, I, I think that I, when I first started really getting into pot, it was like, you know, the Key Blorels were still making the the gummies and the cookies and all that stuff. So it was a situation where you really weren't sure what you were getting. So, yeah, there were times when I was like, oh, this is way more than I thought. The fact that they've kind of figured out exactly what you should take is great. You know, that's good for everybody because people getting into it now aren't going to get their doors blown off for the most part, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's like, I, I wasn't never looking at it like uh, like a cultural thing where I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is um, a hippie sort of way of life. For me, it was just like, I like to shut down, shut the brain off, and and giggle and laugh and not think, you know, take things seriously. So, that was how I got it. And I, I don't really care. I like the fact that it's easier. I don't want to meet a drug dealer in a parking lot. I mean, those <laughs> days are like you know, like the, I mean, it was fun I, I but like thinking about it now, it's like I am like, "Oh, I have to go to the you know, to the to the to the dry cleaners?" And I'm like, "All right, I'll stop and get weed there." But if I had to go like run and like go meet a guy in a parking lot somewhere to buy, you know, <laughs> It's crazy. I wouldn't do it anymore.
1: Can you tell us? uh, Because I've been with some friends, and you know, I grew up in the Berkeley area and these people's park, and I can tell you some stories. Can you tell me your your scariest weed deal?
18: Um, Well, I mean, I got a pretty. I I did a bit on one of my specials. I don't remember which one. Called one time. It used to be a thing. I think the family stoner thing, Family Guy stoner thing, came because it was like, you know, I, I. when I first we were talking about before when I first started smoking you know you didn't really know how much what you were going to take or how you know what was going to really affect you and how so it was like I remember being a Friday my wife told me to order a pizza and you know I had smoked a joint earlier in the day and then like a half hour goes by 40 minutes goes by and she starts to grill me like where's the pizza and you I started to, like, think to myself, like, did I really order the pizza? Like, I can't remember if I actually ordered the pizza or if I'm just stoned. (laughs) And so, and then eventually the pizza comes. The guy, the the pizza delivery guy forgot the pizza. (laughs) He came to my door. He goes, hey, dude, good news, bad news. I know I I forgot your pizza. That's the bad news. (laughs) And 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 he left. And I was like, what? And then my wife started like laying on me and I'm stoned, but I was like, look, there's a lot of things that are my fault, but this is definitely not I had nothing to do with this. Uh so like twenty minutes later, the guy comes back and <laughs> he gets the pizza and I'm like, and I'm talking to him like, what happened here? Like what he goes, I'm sorry, dude. I'm like, one of my first days, and my friend just got me a little stoned earlier in the day. I'm <laughs> like, look, I'm stoned too. So that's why we have to stick together on this, okay? <laughs> You're my new drug dealer. <laughs> I'm like, I need to find a good guy that has some good. Obviously, your stuff is pretty good. So um, yeah, it, uh, that was sort of sketchy. I mean, this stuff in high school was like dirt. I don't know. I mean, I'm 45, so it was like dirt meat. Yeah. You know, it was like beyond. So you bought a nickel bag from a guy that had a skateboard. It really didn't feel that sketchy.
1: <laughs> what? Was, by the way, when the pizza guy said good news, bad news, what was the good news that he was on the good- time?
18: Well, the good news is that I had actually ordered the pizza in oh. my mind. I was like, <laughs> the fact that it was like, because like, I, I was taking a lot of hits, like, what's going on here? And then like, you, I'm, I can't really defend myself because I'm not 100% sure. At some point, I thought maybe I just called my dad and, and told, you know, we talked about pizza. Like, that could have <laughs> possibly had happened. So the good news in my mind was like, oh, yes, the pizza guy is here. I have been vindicated. I did order the pizza. The bad news is this guy doesn't have the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't bring it with him but he did come to the door which I was like man what kind of stuff are you smoking that you like it gave you the, the like the wherewithal like to come to the door still and be like hey I forgot like I would have just gone I would have gone back and been like never admit that I had forgotten it <laughs> the first time right Not to the customer you know
1: right so come yeah on a couple more questions for Steve Ranazizi. St. Louis Helium two shows tomorrow and uh or yeah, two shows tomorrow, and two shows on Saturday. Um you know, last time you were in studio, I'll remind you, we were having a discussion over the top yeah. 10 and yeah. And so yeah. I did get Sam Merrill on the horn about a week later. He was on the show. Okay. I mentioned, you know, Ranazizi was in here. And he was so on the fa- cuz I know you had Curry at like 12, like you wouldn't put him top 10, you give him props to get close. And we were talking about, cause you were like adamant on Duncan. He was more adamant on Shaq. And then he said, it's so tough. He wants to put him in. So he was, I was, I wanted to say you won or I won, but he wouldn't commit one way or the other.
18: Um, well, I mean, look, you know, it's basketball. So, right. uh, it's, it's a thing where, look, I think it's a, it's a personal tasting. I think, you know, who really won based on what I read yesterday that he signed, Steph Curry signed a one billion dollar deal with uh, with Under Armour. I don't know if did you see that a billion dollar deal.
1: No. Do, do you know the story about why he's with Under Armour?
18: No. I mean, it's right. The one I read was because they gave him a billion dollars. <laughs> well, <So, laughs> I mean, it's, well, when that's he was a, one, I would, I would assume would work, yeah, that would work for me.
1: His first deal was Nike when he was you know a first round yeah. pick, but nothing super special. So when they were pitching him on the new shoe contract and he was there with his dad Dell. They kept calling him Stefan and Steven and he looked at his dad and he goes, They don't even know my name. And yeah. so Under Armour said, Do you want to be our first guy? And he's like, Screw Nike, they can't even pronounce my name. Just think of the, the, the person who did that pitch that blew it.
18: Well think about I mean like it's think about how far Nike came that like when when like Magic uh was being offered deals and like uh Jordan and stuff like all those other companies were like, you're going to come to us, we're Converse, you know, like, and I'm sure they knew Michael Jordan's name, but I don't think they rolled out the red carpet, whereas Phil Knight was like, we're going to make you our, amb- like, you're going to be, you're going to be as important as I am to this company. And I think that that's probably what Under Armour was like, we're going to do that too. I mean, how long has he been with Under Armour?
1: Oh, The whole, man. whole career? No, I think the first three years was Nike.
18: Okay, and then it's like he's been in the league for, what, 12, 15 years now? So, yeah, it's been a while. But, I mean, 10 – I don't even know – a billion dollars is what I read yesterday. So, it's like if that's true, I don't know how much longer he's going to play. That's got to be one of those, like, you're going to – we're going to build a a brand shoe, like, around you. Like, hopefully you're going to be our Jordan because that's a lot of money to invest in a guy that's – how old is he, thirty five.
4: You
1: know, uh, what is he? Thirteen years only. I think he's thirty-three. I don't know. Yeah, it like, sound like he's
18: Zion Williams, or you know, a young like yeah. uh, you know, Ja Morant, where it's like this guy could have twelve, fifteen years ahead of him. That's, I think that's a crazy number to give. But you know what? So I'm saying back to my point. It doesn't matter what you think. Top ten doesn't matter what I think. He is, and he's pe- people think he's top ten, and he's now in the rarefied air. There are two other basketball players that have made. A billion dollars playing basketball michael jordan and lebron james and they're you know arguably one three so
1: let me ask you this as a knicks fan um oh. over the oh. you know the people are going to jump off the manhattan bridge when they didn't get donovan mitchell but i was talking to a vegas guy yesterday and he thought he's a knicks fan and he says it's so smart not to give up our entire future for a guy that yeah. age where do you stand
18: Look, I, I the name to be honest with you, from the very beginning, Donovan Mitchell didn't excite me the way certain other names would have. Mm-hmm. But that being said, he's probably the best available situation out there, and I think once you know the once uh, the other Denver guy, who's the other Denver guy, and what they gave up, Minnesota. For, oh, you're for talking
1: about like, Rudy Gobert in Utah.
18: Yeah, and oh you know, Utah, yeah. So it's like, and so I'm like. Well, these what you're giving up for these players that are, you know, they are stars, but these these are not generational players. So, yeah, I agree with him in a sense, but the problem is is that short-term, long-term, that's the right move. Short-term, we might be a dumpster fire again, and it's just so tough, you know? You know, it's so tough to sit there and watch uncompetitive basketball for what's now been a couple years, you know? And then you're going to still have... Julius Randle going out there and you know, who knows what you're going to get from him. Are we going to get the good Julius Randle or the, or the bad Julius Randle. So overall I'm, yes, I agree that giving up the farm for Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, it's probably top 10 in the NBA, maybe 15. I don't know why we're getting back into that. Or I brought that up here, but <laughs> he's, you know, he's not like the guy you're drafting, you know, in the first two or three picks, if you were putting a team together. So, He's a great scorer, but I don't think it would have been a situation where it would have changed the entire trajectory. We would have maybe been a playoff team. We would have been a playoff team.
1: Last you question know? for you. Uh, R.J. Barrett's going to stick around. That's good news. There, We'll yeah. see what you get out of uh, Brunson, who didn't always start in Dallas. Now he's going to be the guy. Or is this team going to bleed to death Emmanuel slowly?
18: I mean, Brunson, this is a good... That, look, we need a point guard, so they've thrown a lot of spaghetti at the wall over the last couple of years, and, you know, something's got to stick. One of these years, we've got to find someone that's going to run the point, um, so I'm hoping that that he's the answer, that he, you know, could step in and be a guy that's like, you know, like the way Marcus Smart does in Boston, It's, it's like just the, the defender, a guy that can run the point, doesn't have to necessarily score all the time, but We'll see. You know, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic with him. I, I like him. Do you, I mean, I think he's a good player. I like what he I mean, it wasn't the guy down in Dallas, but he played big for what, you know, for his role. So hopefully, hopefully he can, you know, lead, lead the team. But I, again, I don't think we're going to be competitive. I don't think we're going to be a playoff team. I just don't want to be like bottom, you know, three or four in the, in the division.
1: I got you. There he is. Steve Ren is easy. He knows his sports. He knows his comedy. HeliumComedy.com for tickets right there in St. Louis. Two shows tomorrow, 730 and 10. Same thing on Saturday night. Steve, always love having you on, man. Thanks a lot.
18: Dude, thanks for having me again. Appreciate it.
1: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Byline. Who's watching? Tell me who's
5: watching? Who's watching
4: me?
18: Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm
16: going to kick 100% of your ass. A dream's so hard to beat Every
6: time she walks down the street Another girl in the neighborhood
4: Wish well, she was mad, she looks so good. I wanna hold her, wanna hold her tight. Yeah, kicks right through
2: the night. Rick Tittle's got a black belt in keeping it real.
1: Thank you for that. And uh, <clears throat> just to follow up on Steve Randazizi was talking about with Steph Curry. After he left Nike in twenty thirteen, Under Armour was giving him four million dollars a year which doesn't seem like a lot. It seems like a lot to me. But then in uh, 2020, Steph Curry uh, wanted his own uh, subsidiary of Under Armour called Curry Brand, which they did. And Curry said certain things need to change or else. In other words, he was letting Under Armour know that he wasn't happy with the way things were going. So they decided to give him $20 million a year and that's going to happen next year, and that's going to happen until 2024. And so now, according to Rolling Stone magazine, that bastion of sports reporting, that uh, he's inking a lifetime contract that is worth more than a billion dollars. So, uh, yes, once again, billion but, you know, it was funny to think uh, what you're getting into this thing. It's just like when Nike started making high tops, people are like Nike, the, the running shoe. And when they got Michael Jordan. And what's funny is that they wanted to get John Stockton and Charles Barkley and Akeem Elijah one, and, they were, and And they said, no, no, take all the money, give all the money just to Jordan. And they're like, why would we do that? And then Jordan said, I can't wait to wear my baby blues. And they go, you got to wear red and black. And he said, I refuse. And they go, it's the Bulls' colors. You have to. And then he said, all right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pack time for another edition of Titillating Sports.